0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Thank you, Jesus,
1: for being in our midst. You are in us and with us today. We bless you. We come to meet with you. We come to hear from you. We come to respond to you. We come to love you back in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're we're continuing our service um, series called Corporate Worship. Uh, Meeting with God is actually a worship series. The first two weeks we talked about individual private worship. The second two weeks we talked about family worship. How many of y'all doing with family worship? Okay, y'all doing pretty good? Who's struggling with family worship? This week was rough for me. But, but, but you know what? It's okay if, if family worship doesn't go like you want it to go. It's okay. There, there, there's, there's not going to be every single time there's going to be a powerful outpouring of the Spirit. I mean, we would love that. But you don't get that in your individual prayer time all the time, do you? If you did, I would think you something would be wrong. <laughs> um, because we do live in a real world with a real devil, with the real flesh. And so we, 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 we are not 100% dead, even though Jesus, um, Paul says that to reckon ourselves or count ourselves dead, um, we are to die daily. You know, Paul talks about dying daily. And so this week um, I had opportunity to do family worship without my wife because she was on her way to rehearsal, and it was really powerful. I did a few things that I didn't do in my normal, and the, the norm which was, you know, we prayed, uh, we sung, we actually got a hymnal book, uh, I think Courtney's old, um, it's not an AME, it's CME, right? CME, um, uh, I'm not even gonna say what that means, but CME um, hymnal, we, pr- we sung a couple songs from there. There was a song that I didn't know, because I, I don't read music, I don't, didn't know what the, how the music, so I just kind of went with, made up my melody. Um, and then the other one we did was Holy, 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 and we did that and we did a reprise and we did it again. And Justin's <laughs> like, let's do it again. <laughs> and so we did that. And then we were going through Psalms. And so we were um, making our way through Psalms. And uh, I read that like five times because he didn't really understand it. <laughs> so let's read it again. And then um, we spent some time praying for some of the members and then prayed for President Trump. And his family and then we begin to i said let's pray in the spirit and so at this time declan is knocked out and so destin's like okay <laughs> and so we begin to spend about five to ten minutes praying in tongues and he was going in and it was wonderful just to see my six-year-old praying the spirit and he just you know he's he, he's praying out of his spirit and, and his tongues are flowing I mean, it's just flowing just freely, um, and it was wonderful. And then the latter part of our family worship, um, I encourage you all to do that, especially fathers, as I laid hands on both boys, and I began to release the blessings of the Lord upon them. And there's something biblical, and we'll talk about it one day, about the blessing and and through the land on the hands, and Jesus even— allowed the kids to come to him and he, so that he can touch them. He laid hands on them. So there are a couple reasons why the laying on the hands is important. We see from Scripture that people lay hands on, on the sick. So we're to lay hands on the sick. That's not the only way, but that is one of the ways in which we minister um, through the ministry of laying on the hands. So we lay hands on the sick. Amen? Another thing that we do with the laying on the hands is we lay hands on people for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So there's something to it when you lay on hands. Um, The Bible tells us to, you know, Paul told Timothy not to lay hands on anyone suddenly or quick unless you partake of their sin. And so there is the laying on the hands for healing, laying on the hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the land on the hands to separate people to the work of the ministry, licensing or ordination. And we see that from the scriptures. And then there's also the latter part. The last one I'm going to mention is the land on the hands for the blessing, to bless somebody. Now, don't y'all go around laying hands on everybody, but I laid hands. I have authority from the head of the church, who's Jesus, And if you're a father and if you're a mother, you you have been appointed and anointed to lay hands on your children. And if you're a grandparent, you have the anointing and the appointment to lay hands on your grandchildren. And so I laid hands on my boys and I released the blessing of God upon them. And I began to declare what the end will be. I began to say, you will fulfill the plans of God. You will marry a godly woman. You will have beautiful children who will serve the Lord. You will accomplish this and that. I mean, those things need to be pronounced over your children. And Brother Frank ministered about that on Father's Day. I don't know if you remember that, but he talked about how he took his boys, him and his wife, and how they proclaim that you'll never see jail. You'll never go to jail. You'll never go into a prison, and you'll, you know. And I begin to say those things as well over my boys. You'll never go pri- go to prison. You'll minister in the prison perhaps, but you'll never go there. You'll never be in a hospital. You'll never outside of your wives having babies and outside of you ministering to the sick or visiting a loved one or a friend or just to minister. How I many know we need to do that? There's so many negative things that's been declared over our children. We need to declare the God's word over our children. How many are are you familiar with Charles Spurgeon? He is called the Prince of Preaching. Uh, He is a mighty, mighty, uh, was a mighty, mighty follower of Jesus. And when he was a boy, I believe he was about three or four, he was, he was, he loved books and, and at a young age, he was exposed to books and he began to read hundreds well, dozens of books at the time, even at a young age as three and four the best he could. There was a preacher who would visit his parents' home. I forget, I think it was his parents or grandparents because he split up um, his time between his parents and his grandparents where he lived. And the man of God set um, little Spurgeon on his lap and he began to say, and this child will become a mighty preacher and he will preach to thousands and thousands will come into the kingdom because of him. Now, this is not a charismatic Pentecostal word of faith. This was a um, Church of England preacher. <laughs> okay. And he began to prophesy over Charles Spurgeon. And guess what? He even said at the time, one of the largest churches was in London. He even began to declare that he will preach at that church. And guess what he did? He preached at that church. He became a mighty man of God. He began to minister the gospel and thousands came into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, there's power in your words and especially over your children. You have the right to speak words that are from God's word over your children. Amen. That's all I have for today. You can go. On. That's it's enough, though. It's, it's just just I want you to know that you have the right to speak over your children, unborn children. Before I even got married, I was speaking over my children, and I said, "Thank you, Lord, that they will serve you all the days of their lives." All right, that was a pre intro to my pre introduction. <laughs> all right, so let's go to the Lord. We're talking about meeting with God. So last week we talked about encountering encountering God together. And there's something about the corporate worship. Private worship is on point. Family worship, is is, we're getting there. And then corporate worship is where we're going to end up. And so this is the last week, I believe, that we'll talk about corporate worship. Now we got something really good down the line where uh, Minister Cleveland is going to minister about technology and the gospel. So you don't want to miss miss that. So, Father God, I thank you for supernatural divine utterance that I boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, meeting with God. Everybody say, meeting with God. John chapter 4, verse 20 to 24. John chapter 4, verse 20 to 24. Our fathers, this is the woman at the well, and Jesus came to her and, and began to minister to her by the gift of the the gifts of the spirit the word of knowledge she had had five husbands and the woman the man that she was with was not her husband and Jesus began to tell her about herself and her situation and and the woman said I perceive that you are a prophet sir and you know and then then Jesus replied to her Our father, well, this is the woman speaking. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Notice that she is limiting God, the worship of God to a place. And notice she says, our people. Our people, or where people ought to worship. It's always been the desire of God to meet with the people of God. It's never really been just about the person in God but it's, it's it's been about the people of God and God even in the books of the Bible you know the books of the Bible were written most of the time not all of the time there's a few books that were written for individuals but it had the people of God in mind even written to the individual this but you see often the book the the book or the letter is written to People or churches or, or, or a church or nations, especially in the Old Testament. And so she has this, this is my, our fathers worship in this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such who? People, right? To worship him. Notice it didn't say person. People. Okay, there is importance for individual private worship, but there's something about corporate worship. Seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those So God is seeking worshipers. The ultimate goal of Christianity is to be a worshiper. A worshiper. We were created to worship the one and true God in his son, Jesus Christ. God created us to worship him. Say, God created me to worship him. Unfortunately, the majority of the world will not fulfill this purpose. We were made in the image of God, therefore we are image-bearers for the glory of God. The entire Christian life is supposed to be worship to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 talks about whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. God wants to get glory out of our lives. Don't be deceived in believing this life is about you and your family. And your career, your goals, but rather it is about God and his family. God sent his only son to live a perfect life and die a substitutionary death to redeem a people to himself. God created you and recreated you in order for you to worship him in spirit and truth. God created you the first time by the mere fact that you are born then he turn around and calls you to be born again so that you can give him perfect praise. Amen. So you're, you're, re, you're created twice. you created the first time, naturally, and spiritually, the Bible says in Ephesians, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, right? So we are recreated. So when a person gets born again, they are recreated, spiritually speaking. As redeemed people... The church serves as a worshiping, glory giving, image bearing reflector of God's grace to this world. Let's go to Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, verse one, meeting with God. I'm talking about meeting with God, not just individually or as a family, um, in, family worship, individual families, but corporately. There is something about this corporate worship. You cannot get certain things by yourself. I've tried. There were a time, where, a time in my life where I prayed eight to ten hours or more in tongues and fasted every three or four days a week. You can't really tell now. But I'm telling you, you can't. there are certain things you cannot get about you and God alone. I, I've had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came and visited me and told me part of my ministry and calling in life and it still does not measure to the corporate anointing, the corporate worship. Romans 12 verse one, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your what bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but a living, wholly acceptable to God, which is your what spiritual worship. So, in light of what God did through Romans, what Paul was saying through Romans chapter 1, through Romans chapter 11, in light of that, he's telling the people of God to worship or to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice. This reminds us that we're called to do what we are called to do in light of the glorious gospel of Christ. We We are to present our bodies as living, not dead sacrifices, but living sacrifices to God. And that is our reasonable service. That is our spiritual worship. As we present our bodies, how do you present your bodies as a living sacrifice? Of course, you abstain from sin. You lift up your hands. You come to church. You gather together with the saints. That's part of uh, a sacrifice. How many know sometimes there's a sacrifice to come to church? Sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. I wish I had the option, as some people do. Does just stay home. I won't stay home today. <laughs> I, I'll preach from the laptop. <laughs> uh, let's put on an old video. <laughs> God not only created us or recreated us for His glory, but He also will resurrect us for an eternal worship service unto Him. This is a glimpse of what shall come. What is not yet? Go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. Last book. Just flip it at the end. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Let's take a look at uh, just a portion of this. This You should take some time to read this. it's just it's really profound. Let's look at verse 4. It, it talks about this. It says, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. That, this is what they're saying in heaven. There is a worship service in heaven. Verse 1, after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out. If you don't like loudness, you're not going to like heaven. There's some times, I imagine there's some times of silence. But I believe that a majority of time, there's some loudness. Let one person get saved on the earth. They're going to party. That's gonna. That's gonna be a part. Every time a person, a sinner, repents and place their faith in Jesus, they are having a worship service. We haven't seen worship like we're going to see it. If you don't like this worship, you're not gonna like that worship because this is just a little. From time to time, we'll get a, a like a, a a drop of what they experience, but they are really experiencing worship in the fullness because they're right in the face of the Lord. And he said, heard a loud voice from heaven crying out, hallelujah. You know, I know we like to sing that little song, hallelujah. You know that song, right? I, I I don't like it. Why don't I like it? I don't. I like the lyrics, but it's too slow. I'm like, oh, God, this is torturing me. Even, even as a little boy, I, just, I hate this song. Why do we got to sing And the people thought they were getting the spirit. Hallelujah. But this, hallelujah, it's more of a, 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 like, you're celebrating. It's not just this deadness. Sometimes when people sing it, it's just dead. Okay, maybe it's just me. Um, Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Sounds like the end part of the Lord's Prayer. Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth earth with her immorality. And has avenged has avenged on her the blood of her of his servants and it goes on. All right, let's jump down to v- chapter 22. let's go to chapter 22 verses three and four chapter 22 verses three and four and they will see and this is not my scripture right? <laughs> um, I think I, I got this wrong. okay so they will see his face and his name will be on no, that's not what I want but anyway, There is a worship service going on, and and, and when we go to heaven, when we see the Lord face to face, we will begin to proclaim him like we never proclaimed him before. There's going to be singing, there's going to be shouting, there's going to be dancing, there is going to be a time of celebration. Now, we declare with our lips, our hearts, and our lives that God occupies the place of importance. We declare with our lips. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at verse 25, 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we should uh, not forsake the assembly of ourselves. On Sunday worship, Sunday worship should be a reflection of our eternal worship. You will forever worship God in the new heaven and the new earth. Your church, our church, should be important to us, especially on our Sunday's gatherings. It should be important. Do you know that more and more people are saying that they they are are staying home or they they don't like the institution of church? or they might say the institution of religion. But who instituted the church? Who's building the church? Come on, help me out, scholars. Jesus. The Lord says, I will build my, what? Church. And the gates of, shall not prevail against it. And so, Jesus is the head of who? The church, the body. And so, if when people say, I don't like the church. They're saying, I don't, I don't like Jesus. Okay. We talked about this last week. Don't exalt church hurt over the worship of God. It Don't allow, I was, I was talking to a, a woman of God recently and we were talking about individuals who used to, 15, 20 years ago, who was very involved in church and now they're It's like all those people that we were talking about are no longer in church. And and I asked the person, I said, do you think they're backslidden? And they said, no, they weren't ever saved. They loved the brand church. They loved what was happening. But when what was happening was not enough for them, then they departed. How many know the Bible talks about a great falling away? And so there will be people who will depart from the faith. And these people, for the most part, were never a part of the faith. Because if they were a part of us, they would have stayed among us. That's what John says. So the reason I talk about church a lot, or the importance of it, is because I'm called to be a reminder. I I want to remind you of what God has said and what God has called you to. It is up to you to obey the word of God. I cannot tell. Um, I, I can only tell and retell you what God has done for you and what God has said for you, but there's something about uh, me is reminding you of what God has said, and it's up to you to do something about it. It's up to you to apply it and to live it out. If God lives in community, then therefore we are called to live in community. Did you hear me? If God lives in community, then we are called to live in community. We're not to be an owl to ourselves. You cannot experience or encounter God like you can corporately. Do not forsake the, the assembly. There are many who claim to be Jesus lovers and followers, but do not, co- co- do not connect themselves to the body. You cannot counsel yourself, listen to you. listen to me, you cannot counsel yourself into righteousness. You cannot counsel yourself into maturity. You are called to be in one body, both universally and locally, and some make the mistake that thinks that a Christian can live apart from the Christian gatherings. And it's worship. You cannot counsel yourself into holiness. Your wicked heart or your um, contaminated soul will lead you astray from the things of God. So do not leave your salvation up to yourself. Trust godly men and women to speak into your life. Are you with me? You cannot, there's a danger of being isolated. I know what to do. I've been taught the word. Let me just apply it for myself. I don't need to, I, when I sin, I can just confess to God and that's it. Have you, have you noticed that that's, that's really convenient when you have done a, committed a sin and you don't want anybody else to know about it, so therefore you, I'm going to confess about myself. But then James on the other hand says confess one to what? another. So don't ignore part of the scriptures to justify your sins. I think I won't confess this. Because what happens when you confess it to a brother and sister? You become accountable to that, about that sin because that brother and sister is going to ask you, so how are you doing with that? We don't want to be accountable. God's people do not gather together for friendship, friendships or social things, but we gather together to worship. It is essential that we worship together. I'm not talking about worshiping with music alone, but for a time of prayer, singing, tithing our tithes, giving our offerings, and the observation of communion. This is God's design. In some circles, people do what they do in the church for money. Let's talk about this. You have youth pastors or pastors or children's workers who are going to church every Sunday just to get paid. When this is the motive, then it's no longer worship. Are you with me? When church becomes a job, then you lost your focus of worship. Or even as a volunteer, I'm just tired of doing this. We are the body of Christ and we need the head Christ and we need one another. We are joined together and are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Our lives intertwine and inform one another. We're not meant to be alone. There's no long ranger Christianity. When Christians abstain from church, they deprive themselves of all the benefits of it. As Christians, we live life from, from the Lord's Day to the Lord's Day. Each week, we long to journey to the house of the Lord to meet with our God and with his people. Worship marks the identity of the church because it marks the identity of his people. What did David say? I was glad when they said unto me, let us what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know. I, I, I've been out of church for a time when I was carless and the church that I belonged to, I, no one at the time could, give me a ride. And it was too far to walk because by the time I got there, it would have been over and then I had to go, go to work later on that day. And so there was about two or three weeks I was out of church and it hurt every fiber of my being. I I, I almost cried. Just I just did not want to be without the people of God. And at, at, at that time, my church, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night. Monday night was young adults. Um, Wednesday night was Bible study and Friday night was prayer and Saturday was youth ministry which I was involved in. That was a lot, right? I don't regret that. I don't regret that. Most churches will have maybe one service now or maybe two. But there's something and I'm not trying to slide some incorporation of more services (laughs) but we do need them to have more than one. We do. And one is not enough. Pray about that. <laughs> okay. But I remember being out of the church for two or three weeks and I my heart was aching. And and I remember putting my job above my church and, and, and oh I gotta go to work. I did not have, at the time, the revelation of Ubers, and I wish they were there because taxis were there, but they were like a really, really mad expensive. And, but it's just, you do what you got to do. I remember Minister Allen, one time his car broke down and the young man went and rented a car just to come to church. That, that just changed. I mean, most of us were like, oh, the car's down. Oh, I ain't going to church today. Do what you got to do. I'm not going to be there. But, but how many know that that, that speaks volume when you say, I'm willing to rent a car just to go to church. We'll rent cars to go on vacations, right? We'll rent cars to, to go, you know, to put some miles on so we can go across the country. But is there something about sacrificing? Worship. Worship involves more than singing. It, it Actually, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, it means to bow down. When the men of God wrote the word of God by the spirit of God, they used the word worship to describe the gathering together of God's people before God himself. God loves to meet with his people. It doesn't matter whether it's two or three or whether it's millions. He loves to meet with his people. This is what this thing is all about. The father and his family. That's what it's about. In heaven, we're going to be about around a bunch of people forever. Not that we're going to be in heaven forever because there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, so forth. But we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Worship encompasses everything that the church does when its members gather together in the presence of God. Worship should be a give and receive. He gives, we receive, we receive, we give and he receives. He gives, we receive. What what is he giving? New mercies. Um, there's strength. The, the Bible talks about, um, David says, um, in the sanctuary of the Most High, there is um, strength. So you receive strength when you come to church. Just for being in the presence of God and his people, there's strength available to you. There's also songs of deliverance. It talks about this in the Psalms. Um, you receive songs to deliver you out of your situation into a higher level. There is something, there's beauty about being together. There's something about coming together day in and day out to be with God and his people. When I say day in, day week in and week out. The Lord's day. Today is considered the Lord's day. Destin woke up this morning, my oldest, six years old. He wanted to turn on the TV. I said, no, today is the Lord's day. What, what, what do you mean the Lord's Day? Every day is the Lord's Day. No, this day is designated for him. The Lord's Day. We need to turn Sundays and use terminology that the Bible uses. It says that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. There is a day thats that we're to recognize it's about the Lord. On the Lord's Day, I don't play Bruno Mars, which I didn't really know. Like, I didn't really know how a lot of um, profanities in his music. <laughs> like, whoa, I was playing it the other day, which was not the Lord's Day. And, and, and my wife's like, you letting kids listen to this? This is how they got here. Don't do that. <laughs> I was like, my Jesus. <laughs> put on some hills some my Jesus. <laughs> uh, but we need to put that in our vocabulary. How was the Lord's Day? You know, I I text a couple of friends and says, I pray that you have a wonderful Lord's Day today. We, We need to get back to those things. He gives, we receive. He gives mercy. He gives strength. He gives peace. We receive it. We give praise. We give thanksgiving. He receives. Worship does not primarily consist of giving and receiving, but rather it is about being. About being. The essence of worship is God's people dwelling with God. We're talking about meeting with God today. We need to meet with him, and he meets with us by his word and his spirit. Let's go to a couple scriptures. Let's go to Exodus chapter 6. That's the second book in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 6. Let's look at verse 7. When you got to say amen. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, simply says this. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will take you to be my people. That's what God has always, always wanted. He wanted to be our God, and he wanted us to be his people. He saved you so he can be your God. Let's go to Psalm 100, verse 3. Psalm 100, verse 3. Wonderful Psalm. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You see that, right? Know that the Lord our God, it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. And then I can't resist the last, the next verse. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Notice that it's in context with dealing with God and his people. It's not just when you're by yourself, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Yes, yes, it's true, do that. But together, we are his people. He is our God. He is our maker. Therefore, we enter his gates together with thanksgiving. There's something about us singing together. There's something about us giving thanks together. There's something about us sitting down and listening to the word of God together. This is part of worship. When you sit down and you listen together and you respond in your heart, says, I will do that. I will obey. Yes, Lord. See, yes, Lord, is not a, should be a should not be a phrase to fill up our prayer time. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means if you're saying yes to the Lord, that means that he's requiring something. Yes, I will obey. Yes, I will come to church with a heart of thanksgiving. Yes, I will crawl in his presence. (laughs) We are his people. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 22. We're talking about meeting with God. Jeremiah 30, verse 22. And you shall be my what? People and I will be your God. You shall be my people and I will be your God. That's the heart of God. That's what Christianity is all about. It's God redeeming a people for himself. He called you out of darkness into the light so you can be with him. Glory to God. We got a couple more scriptures. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 16. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16. Do you not know that you, and in the Greek, that word you is plural, that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. All right, let's take a look at this. Now there's one in first Corinthians chapter six that talks about you are God's temple and that's individually. But here Paul is talking to that the collective, all of y'all together are God's temple. So there is the individual temple, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in the Greek, you is plural, so it's collectively we are God's temple. So how many know that we don't have, individually, we don't have the spirit without measure? You do understand that, right? Because Jesus had the spirit without measure you and I have the spirit with measure. That means that we're not gonna be as anointed by ourselves as Jesus was. But collectively, we have the spirit without measure. I'm talking about the universal body of Christ. Collectively, we can do everything that Jesus did on the earth. We can do all of the works, but it's not one person. See, Jesus within him was the all fivefold ministry. He was, he's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. You may have two. You may be called to two of those, but I doubt it two or more. <laughs> it's at least one. And I'm not talking about everybody's called to a five-fold ministry, but 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the different operations of the, the ministries the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so you're called to one of those gifts in First Corinthians chapter 12. But Jesus had all of them inside of him. We only have a measure. So we're, together, we are the body of Christ. Together, I, I may be a pinky in the body of Christ, but how many know I can't function without the rest of the body? I need the rest of the body. You may be a liver. You cannot function without the rest of the body. Are you with me? We need each other. So Paul says, you collectively, you are God's temple and that God dwells, God's spirit dwells in you. In corporate worship, we enjoy both the benefits and the blessings of this reality. The essentials of corporate worship. Let's talk about the essentials of corporate worship. What does that mean? The centrals. This, these are things that you have to have in order for it to be corporate worship. When I talk about worship, I'm not talking about just having a worship night, dimming the lights, having some candles, somebody on an acoustic guitar, and you sing a to Jesus. I'm not opposed to those things. Those things are great, but that is not true all of worship. That's not all of worship. That is a small portion of worship. And the only time you worship God is when you sing those lullabies to the Lord. I give myself away. I mean, if that only time you worship, you really not worship. That itself is just fluff. There's people who build their ministries on music. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they build everything for that moment. As if that moment, those events and those um those sacred, I say those events those experiences or those encounters should should really shape your Christianity. It has to be more than just going from conference to conference from worship service to worship service. You know, there's some people who are addicted to worship services. It's like they, they can't get enough. If, oh, it's going to worship. Do y'all worship at your church? Well, the whole service is worship. And as a Christian, my whole life is worship. If I limit limit worship to just me and singing and me and some slow songs and put some hill songs of Planet Shakers or Elevation Worship, and I love all of them. <laughs> but how many know that that God is not, li- your worship should not be limited to those songs and those events and the lights dim and the candles and-, and everybody, oh, and they're going in, oh, oh, and then they're late to work, they don't treat their spouses right, they're fornicating. They don't even, they do whatever they want to do with their money. They they just, they eat what they want to eat. I mean, they just look at what they want to, they looking at F-bombs coming across the TV all the time. Oh, F this and F that. And, 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 and yet, they, and they, oh yeah, this is worship. No, what are you doing? You're playing games. Some people look at that and I heard Bishop Raphael Green say this years ago. He says, people, it's like, Spiritual orgasms, going from one experience to the next, looking for something new, looking for a different experience. How many know it know it has to be more than that? True Christian worship is all of your life, how I work on my job, how I live when no one else is watching, when I come to church, the worship service. Don't just lift up the praise and worship, and we have wonderful praise and worship here, but don't just lift that up as if that's it. Like, oh, wow, this is it. Don't, don't preach today. Just let the Spirit move. <laughs> and we just have a worship service. Well, the worship is not complete unless there is a word from God. Okay, let's look at the essentials of corporate worship. The word, prayer, and sacraments. If you don't have those three, your corporate worship is not complete. All right, let's talk about this. The word. Let's, the word is vital to our meeting with God. God uses the word to shape us into the image of Jesus. Sometimes people want to be shaped. They say, God is molding me through my trial, through my tribulation. But really, God uses his word to shape us, to mold us. If you want to be more like Jesus, allow the word to shape the way you think, and how you live. The word empowers us to overcome this world. The word the word causes us to be born again, or saved. The word enlightens us how to live and what God expects. Terry Johnson says this: We want to read the Bible, preach the word. Well, we want to read the word, preach the word, sing the word, pray the word, and see the word. Sacraments, worship without. The word is like an ocean without water. It doesn't exist. Let me say that again. Worship without the word is like an ocean without water. It doesn't exist. You can't have worship without the word. It's something other than God. Very sobering. Praise and worship is on a high. I was a little boy when Integrity came out, and they did something different than Christian music. They came out with these these cassettes and CDs of different worship leaders. And and, and how many know that it it has to be more than just music? Let's go to prayer. You got to have prayer in your corporate worship. Our services, meetings, gatherings should be full of the Word of God and prayer. All kinds of prayers. Prayers that should go forth weekly. Matthew 21, verse 3 says, Jesus says his house should be called a house of prayer. So you should have prayers of adoration, prayers of confessions, prayers of intercession, prayers of illumination, prayers of thanksgiving and dedication, prayers of faith, and prayers in the spirit. My last element that we need as, far as part of corporate worship is the sacraments. When I talk about the sacraments, I'm talking about the Lord's table, and water baptism. Now, of course, you're not going to have, most churches don't have the Lord's Table every single week, and most churches definitely don't have water baptism every single week. It's nice if it's if possible, but most churches don't. The Lord's Table is a reality of what Christ died for humanity, but more specifically, what he did for you individually. So the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table is part of our worship, God does something supernaturally in our hearts when we take the bread or the cracker, the juice, the blood, the wine, representing the blood. God does something in our hearts. Application, how do we worship? Now, some people say come as you are, but I say don't stay as you are. Some people say come and worship however you feel like. No, no. There is a outline in scripture how to approach worship. You're not to do whatever you feel like. There are some churches that they, they they're into the prophetic. And it's really pathetic. It's not, God is not there, and it's and, and they're doing things that there's nothing found in Scripture. They're, they're acting upon, trying to. Emerge culture with the the gospel or trying to make something that God never said. Be careful. We're not to, if it's not, if it doesn't support the word, then we, we should not be doing it. How do we worship? So, one, we should worship biblically. We should not only fill our services with the word, but we should also adhere to the teachings of the Bible. If it isn't biblical, we shouldn't have it. So it doesn't necessarily, now, now, now some people say, well, unless it's in Scripture, we're not going to do it. Well, what, what are they really trying to say if it doesn't line up with Scripture? So it's not, not necessarily saying that you got to say, well, it doesn't say you got to have a keyboard, Yamaha. It doesn't say that, so we can't have that. Some churches have done that. Well, no instruments in the New Testament. What about Gabriel with the trumpet? <laughs> Old Testament, New Testament is built upon Old Testament. So there's some certain denomination, Church of Christ, for example, they don't believe in music, instruments, but they'll use a mic. They'll have need in a building. What about that? You it doesn't say come to the building. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Biblically. So, so it was talking about making sure it's consistent with scripture. It doesn't say children's ministry. It doesn't say youth ministry. It doesn't say dance ministry. It doesn't say praise and worship. It doesn't, but but are those things, will those things take away or will they add? They, they're considered, those areas, praise and worship leaders, that's the area, that's considered, that's in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, under the ministry of helps. Youth ministries, children's ministry, under the ministries of helps. Praise and worship, under the ministry of helps. Number two. How do we worship reverently? That means we reverence God. Our meetings meetings with God should not be casual. Worship should not produce casualness. Are you too familiar with our corporate gatherings? Do you think like, oh, that's just Caleb. Oh, that's that's just church. Church as usual. Give you some examples from scriptures. Moses takes off his shoes in the presence of God. Exodus 3. That, that's not, that's not, that's not norm, that, that's not casual. It wasn't just, let me just appro- approach God. Hey God, what's up? Oh boy, I need you to deliver my people from Pharaoh. No, take off your shoes, approach my, no, I'm not telling you to take off your shoes because some people will be knocked out for real, but we don't, we're not asking for that. <laughs> we're not telling you to take off your shoes. What I'm saying to you is the presence of God, the corporate worship will require you to do something that's not casual. Let's go. Let's go to the next one. Exodus 20. Israel. Israel trembles with fear. So we're not just approaching anybody. We're approaching God. Isaiah quakes. Isaiah six. He quakes. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, God. Like, whoa. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Who oh, is Is me. He quakes. He he shakes in the presence of God. He melts in the presence of God. Job silences his lips. Job 40. He silences his lips. How many know that reminds you of Psalm 46 verse 10? Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Be stay. Be quiet. The scriptures tells us in Thessalonians to so study to be quiet. Yes, it's talking about you minding your own business, but there's something about studying to be quiet. A fool will pass as a wise person if they just keep their mouth closed. That's Proverbs. Job silences his lips. Okay, let's talk about John, the Revelator, New Testament. John falls down as dead. He's slain in the Spirit, Revelation chapter 1. I mean, he just, whoa. You remember remember the soldiers that came to Jesus? And John... And, and, and they were looking for Jesus, and, and, and Jesus says, we're looking for Jesus, I'm paraphrasing. Um, Which one of y'all are Jesus? And Jesus says, I am. Anybody know what happened next? Uh, the whole soldiers fell down under the power of God. That's where we get slain in the spirit from, <laughs> for those who don't know, non-charismatic, come from a Baptist background, <laughs> a Catholic, <laughs> a Methodist. Slain in the spirit, it it, it comes from people falling as dead. In other words, the power of God overwhelms them, and they cannot stand, oh, okay. He says, I am, and the power of God knocked them down. (laughs) Do you think that if Jesus was to manifest himself right now, you're going to be like, hey, God, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. No, whoa, whoa, holy, You, you will be on your face. If God wants to show up like he wants to, we ain't going to be like, hey, we're going to be like on our face in this carpet crying with snot and tears. <laughs> like, whoa, God, you're so good. I'm not saying every service got to be like that. But what I am saying is that there is that there's there's not the norm. It's not a casual thing. All right. Let's talk about the earlier church. They speaks in they speak in other tongues in this presence, Acts chapter two. Reverent worship is giving God due respect and honor and adoration. How do we worship? I'm glad you asked. Joyfully. How many know that God loves a joyful noise? You can't come, oh, this is the day. We don't even sing that. Uh, we, you know, they might surprise me one Sunday or something. Um, Pastor's Appreciation Day. This is the day. They might do that. <laughs> um, but but let's, let's say this. Hint, hint. Hint. Right. <laughs> Uh, let's say the song we sing, um, he'll, he'll do it again. No, he did it again. He did it again, right? Ooh. I mean, you don't do it half-heartedly. You pour yourself into it. Whether you're playing an instrument or whether you're singing, whether you're out in the congregation, you do it with all your heart, joyfully. We come together with joy, not with sadness. with delight and not out of obligation. God doesn't even want your tithes and your offering if you're not doing it out of cheerful heart. Don't tithe. It, it is, it, you are just throwing money away if you're not doing joyfully. If you're working in the church or you're working on your job, God wants you to do it with joy. God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. God wants you to come before his presence with thanksgiving. That, that, speaks, that speaks of joy. Um, with um, shouts of joy. He loves people to shout. Glory to God! He loves that. Joyful. When you pray, if you're not praying for with joy, when I say, I mean, you could be going through, I'm talking about with, hey, I'm just glad to be able to throw this burden onto you, Lord. Come before his presence with, with joy and gladness. Lord, I thank you. Yes, I'm going through, but I want to thank you for being God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for being my Father. Thank you for, for sending Jesus for me. A joyful attitude. Joy is a matter of choice. You choose to be joyful. <laughs> All right, how do we worship? We pray together. There's something about us praying together. We read and hear the scriptures together. We sing together. We talked about that last week about singing. There's something, he loves the command to sing over 116 times. I don't keep saying it. He commands us to sing. There's something about singing. When you have your family worship, I'm not the greatest singer. I'm not a Darren Hobbs or Luther Vandross or any Fred Hammond, But I, I, I sing unto the Lord. And, and I, I was singing holy, holy with the lyrics. I was like, holy, holy. And, and my, my, my son was like, no, mommy need to sing. <laughs> let mommy sing. Go get, the, get her on the phone and let her sing. No, this is joyful to the Lord. Holy, sing to the Lord. I challenge you to sing daily to the Lord. He wants to hear your songs. And when we're together, don't just sit there like a dead, like a like an old log, but be alive. Lift up your hands. Sing with joy. Well, I don't feel joyful. Make yourself joyful. Count it all joy, right? I mean, it, it's not, you put on joy. Come on. <laughs> I'm in the Bible. I'm in the text. Well, what if you're going through? You put on joy. You count the situation. I count it all joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Even when I'm crying, his joy is my strength. Amen. Sing. Then we observe the Lord's Supper. We hear the word together. We tithe the tithe and give offerings together. That's how do we worship. My last scripture, Revelations 21. Revelations 21. Verses one through four, when you got to say amen. Revelation 21, last book in the Bible. Verses one through four, here we go. It says, then I saw a new what heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a what? A loud voice. From the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I'm telling you that there's this is a glimpse the reality will come that this will be our reality. Our small gatherings are just a snapshot of what is to come. Our meetings with God will be every moment for all eternity. This is the aim of Christianity, so that we can know the triune God and be with him forever and ever and to enjoy him forever we're going to enjoy the lord forever and i'm convinced if you don't enjoy him now you're not going to you're not going to be with him to enjoy him forever you got to enjoy the lord now both privately family-wise and corporately enjoy him together enjoy if you don't have a heart or you don't have a desire to be with god's people pray and ask god to give you a heart for his people lord I want to be like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I I want to be with God's people. I want to be with God's people. Some people despise God's people. They just want to come and get a word and get a praise on and leave. That is not the way that God designed it. He lives in community and we should live in community. We should not just come to church and sit in here and get our, our blessing but we should go and speak a word of encouragement, reach out to somebody you don't know, say hi to them, get to know them, pray with them, pray for them. Come on. This is the way our corporate gatherings should be. And God is glorified when we come together and we worship together, we pray with one another, we check on one another. He is glorified. Amen. It's not easy to come to the same place over 10 years over and over. See, sometimes people get tired. Oh, I want a different style of music and I want a different style of preaching. Let me go to somewhere else where they got a new, something new. So they go over there and they stay over there for three or four years. And then they go, oh, somebody, have me know that the church churches all around and they popping up every day. Come on, every single day. There's always going to be a more attractive church than yours. Just like when you get married, there's always going to be a, another attractive person, more tra- attracted than your spouse. What about <laughs> don't, don't, come on, y'all act like y'all super, uh, you know, oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not attracted to nobody but my spouse. Okay, you can fool yourself, all right. <laughs> let somebody, let somebody else come and, and it, it was what you want and you, you know, your spouse just, you know, been good older and gained a little belly or just had some babies, uh, you know, you, you'd be quick to look like, oh, Lord, I love my spouse. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the same way with the church. You, you, something more attractive. And then you get over there, then you'll stay there for a little bit, and then go on to the next church, then to the next church, then to the, and then at the end of your life, <laughs> you'll stand before the Lord. And the Lord said, You've been to 28 churches your entire life, <laughs> and you only live up to be 55. <laughs> I mean, no, that's I, I mean, there's times when God calls people away from it. I'm not. I'm not trying to get you to stay here forever if God don't want you to be here forever because we don't want no Jonah. <laughs> get out. If God's calling you out, get out. But at the same time, don't be looking for something better because if something better is going to be better for that moment and then you'll be looking for something better after that. Are you with me? Amen. And so get in. I'm encouraging people. Some people, I've had people, we, Courtney and I have turned people, told people not to join our church. Stay, go. No, you need to stay where you are. <laughs> and, and like but I want to be with you why you want to be with me because you don't get tired of me like you're tired of your pastor now mm-hmm. you, you enjoy me because you only hear me once in a blue moon but if you hear me every Sunday you may not enjoy that's why that's a beautiful thing about different ministry gifts you have th- different ministers to come and preach and oh I love every time you preach you got the spirit well they only got the spirit quote unquote got the spirit because you only hear them once or twice a year you hear them every week <laughs> you'll be like, oh, we need somebody else. Come on. You know, I'm telling the truth better than you saying amen. I'm telling you. When I was an assistant or associate associate pastor at two or three other churches that I was part of, guess what? When them jokers used to come to me after I preach, oh man, you preach, you're anointed. I just wish, oh, my time is over. I gotta go. <laughs> um, they would come to me and say, oh, you, you're you anointed. I just wish pastor so-and-so was 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 like you. You know what I they would tell me this and I would say, you know what, you just don't hear me every week. If you heard me every week, you wouldn't feel that way. <laughs> Acts of teens. <laughs> they hear me every week saying, you know, a different twist on what I just got finished sharing with you. Don't pump me up. You ain't going, Doc, we ain't going to start your own because when you start your own, I'm coming. No, 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 no. You gonna stay right here. <laughs> no. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that we will not be casual with our corporate worship in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also,